This is the First Priority Greater Orlando podcast. First Priority Greater Orlando exists to equip, encourage, and empower youth pastors with practical tips and wisdom for success and longevity in youth ministry. We know that youth ministry can, at times, be challenging. Our hope is that this podcast would be a valuable resource to youth pastors everywhere. And now, your host, Wilson Clark. What's up, everybody? Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that you are encouraged by it. We're going to be talking about developing a philosophy of ministry. Now, you might be a vet, you might be a rookie, you might have never considered developing a philosophy of ministry, and I hope that as you listen to this episode that you'll do that. I've been in youth ministry for about a decade, a little coming up a little over a decade now, and I've learned a lot of valuable lessons along the way. And and I'm so thankful God has placed men and women in my ministry career uh, that have kind of helped me understand why a philosophy of ministry is so vitally important and how you create one. So what I want to do today is just provide you some really simple tips in developing your philosophy of ministry. And reality is, unfortunately, when you're going through an interview process, more often than not, you're going to be asked, what is your philosophy of youth ministry? And if you haven't taken the time to work on developing your philosophy of ministry, you're going to be stumped by that question. And you may be the most qualified candidate for that position, but they might look at your lack of a philosophy of ministry and look past you. Uh, which would really, really stink. So again, I hope that you, as you listen to this, uh, you you learn and you grow and you begin to shape your philosophy of ministry. Whether you're a rookie and you've been in youth ministry for a week or a month or a year, or you're a vet and you've been in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and you just it's been a while since you've circled back around to your philosophy of ministry. I hope, again, I hope that you enjoy this, that you find it resourceful. So let's just get started. Tip number one, identifying your purpose, okay? Think of a philosophy of ministry as a house. The place where all houses begin is the foundation, and everything is built upon the foundation. So your philosophy is, of course, going to be defined by your theology. It's going to be defined by your values, your belief about God, and your belief about ministry. And it should answer the questions of why you're doing youth ministry. Because knowing why you're doing youth ministry is going to be helpful when you're having to deal with teenagers on a regular basis. For example, you're doing a lock-in. It's 3, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. The students are running around crazy, screaming, and you're just exhausted. That's a good time to think about why you are in youth ministry, why you feel called to youth ministry. So now how do you discover your purpose? You need to think about what makes youth ministry different from other organizations, um, like the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts. You should ask yourself the question, why is youth ministry important to the local church or community? Or ask yourself, why do you want to begin a career in youth ministry? And as you begin to answer those questions, continue to ask the question until you hit the core of your why. So let me give you an example. If you believe that God wants to rescue teenagers, just continue to push that line of questioning with why do you believe God wants to save teenagers? 
what is he saving them from? Why is it necessary for them to be saved? So keep pushing that until you're satisfied with your answers and you feel like you've come to the foundation of why you believe what you believe and identify your purpose. Uh, the second tip is focus. The focus of youth ministry flows out of the purpose, okay? One way that you can develop your focus is to ask the question, what do we want the ministry to be known for? Let me give you an example. When I I was uh, serving at a church in St. Petersburg in Florida, and um, one of uh, the, the, the neighborhood that we were in was really just neighborhood kids would come to the youth. And a lot of them were skateboarders. And although we couldn't, for insurance reasons, build a skateboard park at the church, I made it a point to, uh, any time that I could, go out with these students and drive them to the skate park, hang out with them while they're skating, all that sort of thing, right? You you want to you want to to identify what what your your target teens are, and then intentionally build a focus around that. So maybe your um, maybe your teens, your target teens are are maybe they're impoverished, right? Uh, or maybe they experience neighborhood violence. So you may want to be known for developing a strong uh, internal and external support system that's going to advocate for them when they can't advocate for themselves. Uh, suppose that the local news is profiling your ministry, what would they concentrate on? Um, or if you had to write a summary of the ministry in 140 characters, what's it going to say? So having a ministry that's focused allows you to know what opportunities to say yes to and what to say no to. Like I, like, like I was saying, if, if, if my kids are skateboarders and I take them out to go skateboarding often and we, we have Wednesday nights where, where we go to meet at the skate park and we do devotionals at the skate park, it's not going to make sense for me to take them to a rodeo because <laughs> that's just, that's not, that's not my group. That's not what their, uh, where their attention and their energy is spent. Uh, so, so I'm not going to develop a, a ministry for students that are outdoorsy and hunters and enjoy going to rodeos and that sort of thing. I'm, I'm going to build a ministry. My focus is going to be on, on bridging the gap between students who like skateboarding or surfing or uh, BMXing, whatever. So, so I'm gonna. That's my focus. That's gonna be the 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 push for how I develop my philosophy of ministry when it comes to identifying with students. So, having a ministry that's focused allows you to know what opportunities to say yes to and say no to. Again, so if the ministry is focused on helping students succeed spiritually and academically, it means that you say no to starting up a skate park, right? but yes to a donation of new computers. Uh, not that a skate park is bad. Um, if you get skaters coming to the church or to your youth ministry, it might mean partnering with the ministry in town that hosts a skate park. So being focused means that you network with other youth ministries and resources in order to be representative of the body of Christ. And then the last tip is practices. Once you know what your focus is, you can develop your practice. 
practices are the tangible programs, the events, the uh, habits of the youth ministry. And good practices are grounded on good beliefs. So for example, um, you have a greeter team not because it's the ministry's always had one, uh, but because you want your volunteers to make sure that students feel welcome. Any student that comes in, whether new or returning student, you, you have a greeting team because you want them to feel welcome. Uh, as the leader of the youth ministry, uh, you should be able to explain how a mission trip or a service project or the drama team or a Bible study are in line with the focus of the ministry. See, a rookie mistake in youth ministry is starting with practices, uh, starting practices without working on um, the the tips that I told you about earlier. Inexperienced youth pastors will take ideas and events that they've seen in other ministries and transfer them into their context without evaluating if that's the right decision. Let me give you just a personal experience. So um, we in in St. Pete, um, there, our students are very much fellowship driven uh, and they love just hanging out and talking. They would much rather be in an environment where they are spending quality time in fellowship than actually coming on a Wednesday night to a service. So what do we do? We, we, we bent a little bit and we started having them meet off campus. So we would have weekly small groups that met off campus. And once a month we would come back together. We would have live worship and, and, um, uh, a hip hop group would come in and I mean, it was a lot of fun, but, but it was a big push to get everybody back and enjoying fellowship with one another. I, as crazy as it sounds, my students were more apt, more likely to come to an off-campus meeting than consistently come on a Wednesday night. And so I had to learn that if if I want to grow and reach these kids spiritually, then I need to reevaluate what they how they engage with um with Christ on a weekly basis. And so we'd put that practice into place. We would we would we would do small groups off campus at host homes and our leaders would lead our students in conversations about Christ. Um, but I, it, that only happened because it took time to evaluate where our kids were. What, what are they more likely to commit to? And that's a kicker guys is, is students love participating, but, they're only going to participate in something that they're, they want to be a part of. Now, of course you have some parents who make their kids go to church regardless, but more often than not nowadays, most kids who come to church probably don't have family that goes to church or they're not really encouraged to go to church on their own. They just show up because maybe their friends are there or they like the environment or it's fun, whatever it might be. Right? Uh, so you have to think about, you have to think about what what practices are you putting in place to engage your students. So a few a few examples of what practices you can think of. Um, so we'll break it down like this: your practice and uh, 
use how to use it within your group and then specifics. Okay, so practice would be discussion, right? Uh, how to use it when you're with your group when they have deep questions that they want answered. Um, when they need to talk about life circumstances, um, or if they're intellectually curious, right? So specifically, you'll you'll look at fleshing those practices out in small groups, one on one mentoring. Uh, you might want to have uh, a series, a longer series, where you approach apologetics uh, to to pique their their intellectual interests. So so those are that practice of discussion, you're, you're going to use it when your group, again, wants to have deep questions that they need answered, um, life circumstances that they're going through. And then specifically, you're going to flesh those things out in small groups, in debates and mentoring, all that good stuff. Um, so the practice experiential learning. So you're going to use it when your group wants to feel and not just think, um, when they know the pat answers and they need to be challenged or when they need to say things from a different perspective. Okay. So specifically you're going to, you're going to do case studies, uh, creative worship, um, simulations like a drama team. So, so you're, you're going to create an opportunities for them to engage experientially. It might be, you have a message planned and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to create an environment where they're actually walking the message out. So they're, they're learning from experience what you're saying. Uh, a great example of that is one of my, one of my really close friends. He'd been in youth ratio for a long time. One of the most creative people I know, and he would do walkthroughs and we did a walkthrough, several walkthroughs, but one in particular really stood out. It was on communion, and the students would would everything was kind of like a maze almost. And you had stations, and you'd go to the station, and not more than three kids were at each station at any given time. And it took about an hour altogether for them to walk through each station, and at each station was a a, a different lesson as it relates to communion. Uh, but there was a visual included at each station. So again, something experiential for them to grasp their faith, understand it contextually, um, but for them to also experience Christ on an emotional level, right? Uh, the next thing that you can think about is lectures, okay? So practice of lectures. Um, you're going to use that when your students want to learn more about a specific topic. Again, they need intellectual encouragement or to be challenged intellectually, um, or you have more students who prefer to learn by listening. So you can uh, you can bring in your senior pastor, you can bring in a professor, um, you can do a presentation or a video series. That's how you're gonna you're gonna put that into practice. Um, another example. We did a series, I've done several series, apologetical series um, uh, with students, and each time that I've done them, we would get a panel. And now, of course, when it comes to picking a panel, if you're doing apologetics, you want to make sure that you're, you're identifying the right people to um, kind of help you with 
wrestling through some of the questions that students are going to ask. Um, so what that might look like is, you know, someone who's uh, a member of your church, who's a professor, maybe at a seminary or a Christian college, you might want to tap into that resource, your senior pastor, if they have any sort of education, uh, whether it be an MDiv or they have seminary experience, you're probably going to want to use them as well. And I would encourage you, if you're going to do an apologetics uh, series, you should know um, and be prepared for the type of questions that your students are going to answer. And uh, and because unfortunately, today, students are walking away from their faith. And I think a lot of that is in part because um, we don't allow them the space to wrestle through those tough questions. Or if they ask those tough questions, we just brush it off. Um, so you need to be thinking about that. How, how are you going to engage them intellectually? Um, collaboration. Uh, when they need to learn how to work together, uh, when they need to understand how to use their different gifts, um, or they have a strong desire to serve their community, right? So again, that's plugging your students into volunteering within the church, um, whether that's in children's ministry or ushering or on the uh, tech team, whatever it might be, uh, get them engaged in the, in the larger body of the church. And then, of course, you want to have them engaged missionally in the community that you're in and the world around you. Uh, so if you go on mission trips often, that's fantastic. That's wonderful. Make sure your kids are are participating in that. And, and of course, provide them resources where financially where they might not be able to, um, their parents might not be able to afford a missions trip, you know, do fundraisers, that sort of thing. But but if that's their, if, if they want to work together and serve their community, look for opportunities to plug them in and do that. Um, and then last thing is think about active learning. Um, that might be when they um, need to not just do things, um, but to reflect on what they are doing so they can retain it and apply it. Um, and then have students who learn by doing rather than listening. So you might have uh, camps or retreats are a great opportunity for them um, to reflect on what they're learning. Um, invite them to teach. You know, one of the, again, one of the reasons why I think students, we see students not actively participating or coming to youth is because they feel like it's not their youth ministry. It belongs to the youth pastor and the adults and that they just come and participate. They might have fun, but they don't actually feel connected. And that's a problem. So you want to provide them opportunities where they're learning and serving and engaging on their own. So you might have a senior or a junior who wants to you trust to give a message on a Wednesday night or wherever, whatever night your programming is. Um, or you have uh, students who want to lead small groups, right? So you have a senior boy leading sixth grade boys in, in leading their Bible study group, their small group. Um, 
you might have a, a, a senior who wants to mentor a sixth or seventh grader. And so they pick up the mantle and they start mentoring the younger uh, students. So just think about, think about these things, these kind of opportunities for you um, to build your philosophy of ministry. So let me go back real quick. So tip one is identifying your purpose. Tip two is identifying your focus. The focus of the youth ministry flows out of the purpose. And then one way you can define your focus is to ask the question, what do we want the ministry to be known for? And then number three is practices. Again, once you know what your focus is, you develop your practice. And practices are the tangible programs, events uh, that come out of the youth ministry. Um, so, man, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I, I I know that there's not a real formula for developing a philosophy of youth ministry. And reality is your philosophy is going to change over time. It's going to change from if you work for different churches. Each church has a different DNA structure, um, a different vision and mission. And so your philosophy of ministry is going to change over time. Um, but if you work through those tips, you're going to be well on your way to having a good explanation of why the ministry does what it does and laying a solid foundation on which to build your student ministry. So that's it. That's a wrap. I hope that you enjoyed this first episode of the First Priority Greater Orlando podcast. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. And until next time, remember that the gospel is our first priority.